Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Thank you again for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast. My name is Althea Richardson. I am the host and producer. Today's episode is going to be slightly different because I will be sharing parts of my story. The subject matter may be triggering for some, so listener discretion is advised. So the message is entitled, Come to Jesus and Be Free. And the scripture is based on Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, which reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom in the ca- uh, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he was actually referencing an Old Testament scripture, which was Isaiah 61, th- uh, 1 through 3 which means to me, he was making sure that what was said in the past by the prophets in the Old Testament, he is now proclaiming, guess what they said in the past is absolutely true. I have come to proclaim the good news. And so I'm going to break this down a little bit and then go into more detail about what direction I'm going to go in with this. So Jesus has proclaimed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the first thing is the good news. And the good news basically is his word, the message that will save us. And then there's freedom from captivity. Basically, you're being held in as a prisoner. And whatever that prison is for you, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. He's proclaimed that he would bring sight to the blind. And that was literally because he did bring sight to individuals during his ministry of sharing, doing miracles and everything. But that also means spiritually opening up the eyes of individuals that have been blinded to hatred or unbelief or bitterness or fear. It's also freedom from oppression, and that includes physical, emotional, and mental, and God's favor, showing himself strong on your behalf. So if I had to put all this together to summarize everything, it would basically be Jesus wants you to know there is the ability to be released from your personal prison with your eyes wide open to see his goodness, free from the hurt, the pain, the shame, the guilt of your past, with God showing himself strong in you before others. That's powerful. So, Most of the time at a women's conference, there are two 
particular women that are always like the hot topic of discussion. And one of them usually is the woman at the well. And the other one is the woman with the issue of blood. So let's take a look at some of the similarities between these two women. One of the things that they have in common is that, of course, both of them had issues. The woman with the issue of blood, she had bled for 12 years. She had a cycle for 12 years, y'all. That's a long time. And she paid a lot of money to doctors to try to cure, get her cured, but to no avail, she was not able to be cured by doctors. For the woman at the well, she had been married five times and was living with the sixth one, which to me, she had relationship issues. She wasn't able to keep a marriage for a long period of time. One of the other things that is similar between these two is they both were unclean or unworthy and they were ostracized, not only from other women, but from men as well. And for the woman at the well, she was ostracized because she was a Samaritan and the Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all during that time. One of the things for the woman with the issue of blood is she couldn't even go to church. She couldn't even go into the temple because again, she was considered unclean. And there is a scripture that talks about what it is to be uncleaned. And it's found in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25, through 27. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it. And it says, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. Now this, this part right here is, is like crazy. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe, their wa uh, bathe with water and they will be unclean till the evening. So with this woman who bled for 12 long years, she could not only, not only not be around people, she couldn't go to church or into the temple and she could not be touched. So imagine if you will, this woman who is walking around in pain, bleeding on a consistent basis, and she's by herself because she has no one that she can talk to or even be around because of this law that was made in the Old Testament. For the woman at the well, again, she was married multiple times. 
and was in a current relationship. Now, for me, when I think of someone who's been in multiple relationships, and I'm going based not only on personal experience, but also individuals that I have counseled, women and men who have found themselves in different relationships tend to do that because of something from their past. For me, it was because someone decided to come into my room as a five-year-old while I'm asleep, pick me up, take me to another room and molest me and properly put me back into my bed for me to continue sleeping. Now, all this the time that this stuff was happening, I was groggy, didn't have any idea what was going on. I just knew somebody came into the room, they picked me up, took me to another room, and then when they were done, they put me back into my bed. And this, of course, starts a shame reaction, a domino effect of things in my life that caused me to make some crazy decisions. And so I imagine with the woman at the well, she may have experienced something in her life, something traumatic in her life that caused her to look for love in all the wrong places. Maybe it wasn't trauma, maybe it was abandonment and she found herself looking for this father figure, this, this male to fill that void inside of her. But I can only speculate, of course, because they don't go into detail in the Bible. But based on personal experience and individuals that I have counseled, it usually starts when you're a child. The awesome part about this whole thing is that Jesus met both of these women where they were in their life. For the woman with the issue of blood, she pushed her way through to get to Jesus. Because at that time, Jesus had this huge crowd around him, just trying to get to him, trying to get him to pray for them, to heal him, whatever it was, they were pushing their way to him. And there were, it was a lot, a very large crowd. And so the woman with the issue of blood, she had to basically borrow herself through the crowd. And her only goal, her only mission was to, if she could just touch the hem of his garment, if she could just touch his the bottom uh, hem of his robe, she believed she would be healed instantaneously. Keep in mind, again, this is a woman that could not touch anybody because of the issue of blood that she had, the illness that she had. By law, she couldn't touch anyone, but she was determined to be healed because I'm assuming she heard 
some stories about Jesus. So she took that chance. And long story short, for her, she was set free and healed. For the woman at the well, Jesus intentionally met her at the well. In the middle of the day, Jesus is asking her questions like, you know, why are you here in the middle of the day? And I'm going based on the depiction of uh, the TV series, The Chosen, of which they did a phenomenal job on this. When they showed the woman of the well approaching the well and Jesus was intentionally waiting for her to have this conversation with her about her life. And he wanted to let her know that there is the ability to be healed, not with regular water, not with the well water, but with living water that he would give her. And again, long story short, she is not only filled with the living water, with the revelation of who he is, she was able to run and go and tell and spread the word about this living water, which is awesome. So these two women, they were unnamed. However, when Jesus came into their life, they were considered daughters. And Jesus knows who you are as well, because you are predestined for greatness. As I mentioned, the chosen's depiction of the woman at the well, it actually parallels my life. And so the woman at the well who had multiple husbands, I had multiple relationships with individuals that I was not married to because I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I never felt worthy or wanted because when I was a kid, my dad was in the Air Force and so I didn't see him that often. And when my parents separated or divorced, I really didn't get to see him that much. And so I was looking for someone to fill that void. My dad, that's why it's so important for women to have relationships with their fathers at a young age because it sets the tone, it's, it sets the pace for that little girl. It's an affirmation for them. It's someone who lets them know who they are and, and gives them um, a positive outlook on what a true relationship looks like with a man. But unfortunately, I didn't have that in my life. I never fit, I, for some reason, I could never fit in. In high school, it was horrible. I tried to fit in into different clubs, the in crowd or whatever, but I could just never put myself into, I guess, maybe not in a, in a box or a certain 
category of people. And so I found myself kind of um, a standalone person. All of the rejection that I received from different guys that I thought I was doing them a favor by giving them my body and sharing my intimacies with them, all to discover that it was for nothing. And all I wanted was love. I made many mistakes and I had many losses. I had two abortions. I had two miscarriages and I've been married two times. The first marriage was a divorce because the individual I married to my dismay ended up being someone who had a drug addiction. And I tried for two years to make it work, but God said, no, he's not the one. And so on the day of my divorce, what I did after the judge had hit the gavel on the, on the table and, you know, they said, I don't even remember what he said, but I left out on that day discouraged and defeated because I never wanted to be a part of a statistic of people who are divorced. I desired a family. I desired a true relationship. I desired to be loved. And unfortunately, that ended. And so on that day, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision that I was tired of being tired. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if anybody out there remembers, and I'm going to, of course, date myself, if anyone remembers the CD changers, I had one of the fancy ones. It was the uh, eight CD changer. And on that CD changer, I had a variety of gospel music, primarily worship music. And the way that I would worship God is I would just uh, allow the music that was on the CD changer to just minister to me, whatever showed, whatever came up on the, on the, uh, on the CD changer, I, I just go with it. And I just, I pictured it as God ministering to me through song. And on that day, I push the button on that CD changer and I just let it go. And I cried and I screamed and I shouted and I just called out to God and I asked why. Then I had moments of anger and I had motive, uh, uh, moments of frustration and I had every single solitary emotion you can think of because for a very long period of time, I made so many mistakes, people, so many people hurt me, so many people lied to me, and I just got tired. And I said, Lord, I surrender everything to you. And that was about a good hour and a half that I was just what some people call I was purging myself. I was 
freeing myself of all of the pain, the hurt, the shame that I had experienced from the age of five all the way up to the, I believe I was 30 something. All of the shame that I experienced of having allowed myself to make the decision on letting go of my two children. That was hard. That was very hard. And so I poured out my heart to God for about a good hour and a half, close to two hours. And when I was done, my life was changed totally. Now, it's not to say that I didn't still feel frustration and all of the things afterwards, but it wasn't like it was before. It wasn't like it was because I wasn't carrying this, this heavy load of emotions anymore. I was able to work through it at that time. And so, as I mentioned, I was married twice. So the second person that I married, I, <laughs> I was divorced and I was divorced in April. No, I was divorced in March. I married my second husband in 2002. We had only dated for maybe two months, maybe two months. And oh, by the way, this was two months after I was divorced. Was not my plan. Trust me when I say that. <laughs> it was definitely not my plan. It was all God's plan. And that's a longer story for another time. And so we, for 18 years, had a wonderful relationship. He was my best friend. It's not to say that the marriage was perfect by no means. I don't know of any marriage that was perfect, but he was someone who elevated me, who encouraged me, who inspired me to become who I am today. Unfortunately, 2019, he passed away from a heart attack and thus the other loss that I experienced. Out of that 18-year marriage, I was blessed to have two children. So God has a way of making things come together for good. Although I experienced two abortions and I had two miscarriages, God blessed me biologically with two children, but actually a total of five because he had two, three children of his own. So I was blessed with three, five, a total of five children altogether. So all things do work together for good. I was actually saved or gave my life to, to Jesus at the age of 20. But I wasn't delivered. And so there were periods of time where I experienced spiritual dehydration because I found myself wanting to have 
uh, be in this relationship with God, but I still wanted to do what I used to do before, which was drink and hang out and party and everything. But then there would be times in my life where I would feel spiritually like for some reason, I just couldn't connect with God the way that I did when I initially accepted him into my life. And I could never understand that. Well, when you're in a relationship with with God, there is this constant relate, this constant communication that you have to have, because if you don't, you're going to find yourself dry spiritually and emotionally. And that is not a good feeling at all. And so there is this question that I would love to ask. The question is, what's holding you captive? What, what issues do you have? Is it mom and dad didn't or did not communicate with you? Did you have a dad in your life? Did you have your mom in your life? Did you have either one of your parents in your life? Are you experiencing any shame or guilt from your past? What secrets are you holding on to? There's this saying among the, in the African-American community that I can just start the whole thing off and people tend to know exactly what's going to be said next. What goes on in this house stays in this house. Why? Why is there the need to hold on to secrets? Everyone has a story, but not all of us are willing to share. Some people carry bags of secrets that require a mask like a robber. You're an accomplice to the crime being committed against yourself because Satan is using your mind as a playing field to condemn you to a life of bondage. You're left under the mercy of Satan's jail sentence instead of God's redeeming freedom which gives us the ability to use our voice to set other captives free. So I will go in silence just to see, because I really believe that individuals that are listening to this, there is this this unction, this thing inside that is saying, I want to share, I want to talk, I need to use my voice so that I can be set free from the bondage that has held me captive since I was a little girl or a little boy. Jesus has proclaimed, you can be set free. You can be set free. 
And I know one of the re one of the things that can set you free is using your voice. That is the one thing that abusers when they talk to either if it's a child, what they'll do is they'll say, don't tell nobody. If you tell somebody, I'm going to do this to your parents or I'm going to do that or they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe anything that you say. You're a kid. Or a boyfriend or a husband who is beating on that woman or that woman that's beating on that man. For the man that's being beaten, oh, I can't tell nobody that. They, ain't nobody gonna believe me because I'm a man. Or for that man as a child who was molested, I can never tell anybody that. I will never tell anybody that because that would make me weak. That would make me feel less than a man. For those who have experienced child molestation, for those who have experienced abortion, I'm not here to judge you by no means. I am on neither side. I'm talking about the heart of the individual because I'm convinced there is no way that you and a woman can have an abortion and not feel anything and be okay with it. Granted, when I made the decision to have an abortion on both times, I made the decision to have those abortions because I've heard it before. It wasn't a good time. I didn't have the money. I couldn't afford it. All of the things, not knowing the resources that were out there, not being educated on options. And so I did it because, hey, it's only a blob and it's okay. I'll be good. It's not a baby. It's not even formed. That was my mindset. I'm pretty sure that everybody has heard this, those things before, but it's not true because at six weeks, there's a heartbeat. And I didn't know that. There is a heartbeat at six weeks. At the moment of conception, the, that is a human being. And it took me well over 20 something years to realize that. And it hurt me to the core. I experienced depression. I experienced anxiety especially when I had miscarried the first time. I felt the guilt, I felt the shame, I felt all of that. 
It was horrible. I wouldn't wish anything like that on anyone at all. That was a hard decision that I made, but I made it out of ignorance. But there is the ability to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. There is the ability to be redeemed using your voice. Share your story. Let them know you are able to overcome as you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. I wait for someone to use their voice. Share your story because it only serves to set you free. There are four things you should be willing to do so you can be set free. Be willing to accept there is something holding you captive. You got to get to the root cause. You got to get to the root. Like a tree, the roots of the tree are extremely vital for a tree that bears fruit. If the roots are bad, the fruit is not going to come forth at all. And since roots can't be seen, the damage is apparent unless you dig deep. So there is a need for you to, first of all, accept there is something holding you captive. Why do you think sometimes you get angry for no reason at all or people agitate you for no reason at all? Or you get angry really quick or you get frustrated really quick or you find yourself depressed or you have some form of anxiety or you might be taking medication for depression and anxiety and not maybe it because you've never dealt with whatever it was that you experienced. You have to acknowledge the thing that holds you captive. The second thing is you have to be willing to surrender it to Jesus. He is the only one that can set you free. And keep in mind, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's a process. It's not an instantaneous healing. It is a process. It's a hard process. But it, there is the ability to be able to be set free and be able to go forward. And like I said, number three is you have to be willing to go through the process of healing. The process of healing starts when you talk about it, when you acknowledge whatever it is that has been holding you captive. Acknowledging it doesn't mean that you are allowing that person who hurt you, who abused you, who molested you to win. That is not what I'm saying. They win nothing, but you win nothing either by holding on to the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness from that person, 
it's like I've heard it said it's like you taking drinking poison thinking that it's going to affect them and you're only affecting yourself you have to go through the process you got to rip that band-aid off it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt like crazy but little by little as you, the more that you talk about it the more that you hear yourself saying what you what you went through but you see and you acknowledge the fact that you are an overcomer you are able to even talk about it and to share and the more that you share the more stronger that you get and the last thing is you again be willing to talk about it use your voice share your story share your story i really hope that whoever is listening at least marinates on what's being what has been shared today and find someone to confide in someone to talk to if you don't have a counselor in mind if you don't have the funds for a counselor there are free resources out there i actually do a combination of the two and that's life coaching and counseling. I do the combination because counseling deals with the root cause of why you're not fulfilling your purpose. So we start from there with the counseling part. Now, if it becomes to the point where it's like deep, deep, like extreme depression, extreme, anxiety, then I also have resources for you as well. But I also, I offer counseling as a means of dealing with the past, establishing a firm foundation through Jesus Christ and his word, and then building from there. For those who don't have an idea of what your purpose is, I can help you with that too, because then that would, that's like the next step in what I do is we, first of all, heal the heart, establish a firm foundation. And now let's talk about your purpose. What is your purpose? What is your goal? What is your mission? What has God put on your heart to do? If you don't know, let's talk about that. Because at the end of the day, Everybody under the sound of my voice has a purpose and, and God has a major plan for you. So let's discover that. And then the final thing is pay it forward. So those things that you were able to overcome, the ideas and the purpose that God has given you, you take all of that and you bring someone else along with you who might have been in the same situation that you were in. And that's how you go forward. Again, I hope this information helped. I hope my part of my story helped. I really do. And again, if you are in need of help, if you need someone to talk to, 
send me an email, woveinspiration at gmail.com. And let's have a conversation and see what God has planned for your life. My name is Althea Richardson. I am the host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. You guys have a blessed day. Take care. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story, some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.